Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Elise Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. So today we're going to be talking about myofunctional therapy. I had seen this term floating around here and there in Facebook groups and on social media. And so I Googled it because you Google everything, right? And I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And I thought it'd be great to talk with an SLP who is, you know, offering services in this area in her private practice to help us understand what it is, how she got started with it, and how it could be possibly something that you could start offering or get more training in if you wanted to specialize in this area. So I invited Danny from Speech Goods to come on and share the goods, you know, because she's good at sharing the goods. (laughs) So before we jump into that conversation, I want to let you guys know about a free download that you need to have like right now, right now, because it is spring season and I know how crazy busy you are. There are IEPs, meetings, new referrals coming in and you're like, come on, people. I'm already drowning. Don't give me some more. But anyway, my point is, is that I know that you are juggling a million things. You're stressed out and it is hard to plan therapy during these times because every little minute that you have available is going towards paperwork, writing IEPs, assessments, you know, you know the drill. You're like, Felice, this is my day all day, every day. I know. So I compiled a list of all the best spring-themed YouTube videos, and I put them all in a nice fancy Google slide so that you don't have to go hunting around on... YouTube looking for the video that you want. So it has wordless short videos. It has spring songs, spring book read alouds, spring, you know, science videos. It's all there for you so that when you're planning your lessons and you need something that's really low prep, you can go to that Google slide, find what you need and away you go. (laughs) So you need to go download that, um, head to the show notes of this episode and click on the spring YouTube Google slides and you will get that download for free. I hope that the spring YouTube video list will help you plan therapy with a little bit less stress if that's possible. Um, And so let's head on over to the interview with Danny. I know you're going to love it. She is great. All right. Hey, Danny. Welcome to the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm excited to talk about myofunctional therapy and just how SLPs can get started with it. And so welcome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. It's kind of a little bit of a whirlwind because I do listen to your podcast. So now to actually be on it, I'm like, I'm getting some flatters in my face. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you listened to it. I made a goal. I forget what year it was, but I was like, I'm going to start recording every week because I was so inconsistent with it. So it's been fun to do. At times it gets stressful, but overall, I really like it. And I know you have a podcast, Speech Goods, where you give all the goods, right? 
speech goods? Yes. See, you got the joke. I love it. But yes, I do have a podcast. <laughs> uh, we do put out a weekly episode. So funny thing, like it's a speech therapy podcast, but we really talk more about not so much therapy techniques, but we talk a lot about private practice. One of the big things I'm passionate about is financial literacy and teaching SLPs how to manage their money. We talk about that um, and just either kind of episodes by myself or interviewing other SLPs who are just doing the dang thing and being awesome. Like I got to interview one SLP who became a copywriter for like a health, the healthcare industry. Like she took her SLP skills and she was able to utilize them in a super unique way. So it's been really, really fun. That's cool. That sounds like what episode was that? <laughs> I should go listen to I'll it. To, I have to look it up. Okay. And you know what? I'm gonna uh, in the sh- for the show notes, uh, please. I'll link. I'll send you that link. So anybody that wants to listen to that episode with Lauren Herman, uh, you guys can listen to it. It's she's fantabulous. I actually interviewed her twice. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like a cool, interesting um, episode because I think SLPs are we're multi talented um, and. We, you know, sometimes we can use our skill set in other ways too. And so I know, so a lot of the SLPs that follow me and listen to me are school-based SLPs, but I still wanted to have Danny come on the show because, um, cause I know her niche is private practice, but I know that when you want to make some extra money and you want to look for another job, getting into the private practice sector a little bit could really help, you know, increase your, your revenue and, um, give you some, you know, some other options outside of the school setting, or if you're even thinking about leaving the school setting, um, it's kind of scary, especially if you don't like talking about money and, and how to get things set up. And so that's how actually I found you, Danny, on um, social media. I don't even know how, it, like, if it popped up in my feed or whatnot, but then I was like, oh, I got to follow this girl because she knows all this stuff about money. And it's always good to, you know, hear from someone else who's already been there and she's an SLP. And so I love that that mission of, like, you can, you can do this type of thing. And I think that is one of the biggest roadblocks for SLPs thinking about leaving the schools um, or even wanting to find ways to make more money is the like how to manage the money from the business, how to keep everything organized. How do you find clients? How do you get started? All that stuff. I don't know if you would agree because you probably went through that journey yourself, Danny. Oh, 100%. And I totally, I totally understand and want to validate everyone's feelings about having like that secure school job. And I don't, I don't think that's something to just be sort of glossed over. Um, Like I kind of, even before I went into my own private practice, I worked at someone else's private practice, which is where I kind of fell in love with myofunctional therapy, kind of how I discovered it. Um, But it is, it's a thing. Like, it's not just this decision. You're just like, Oh, like, I think I'm just going to go do my own thing. You know, there are, there's, it's, there's some skills that you need to learn. There's some things that you need to take into account. Um, but it is totally and 100% doable. And I just love the idea of SLPs taking their power back. That's something that, uh, Tara Sumter and one of the interviews I did with her said, like this idea of SLPs taking their power back. And, you know, I know we're kind of getting a little bit away from myofunctional therapy now, but getting into that niche area for me uh, was really like the catalyst for me feeling confident enough to like start a private practice in an area saturated with SLPs. There's five or six grad programs in a 50 mile radius of me. 
Uh, it's, it's just kind of known here. There's no shortage of SLPs really. Uh, and then also to be able to, again, like starting a private practice, being able to have that and then have the flexibility to make a podcast and blab to people on Instagram about money and create a course and write an ebook. So that has really just been a huge blessing for me. And so I'm, I'm super happy to share how a little bit about that niche and how it's not only it's changed my practice tremendously, but it's also just kind of really helped me change my life situation. And I'm not trying to sound dramatic, but it like really has. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. I was full time in the schools and then slowly as I started building, you know, the dabbling speechy side of things. I was like slowly, because I still love schools, but I was slowly giving up, you know, I, I couldn't do both. So it, but it is a little scary to like go from full time doing one thing in, you know, even if you're a private practice full time and then going into the schools, it's like, what is happening? Um, but so, yes. Yeah, so let's first talk about like, what is myofunctional therapy? And then you can maybe we'll dive into a little bit about how you got started with it. And um, so for those that don't know what myofunctional therapy is, um, Danny's going to break it down for us. Yes. Go break it down, <laughs> ladies and gents. Okay. So just um, disclosure, I do not sell myofunctional therapy products. I do not sell myofunctional therapy courses. There are a lot of amazing resources out there. Um, I am not certified in myofunctional therapy. That's something that some people who choose to do. I'm not yet certified. Um, so this is just purely me telling you my experience and just that's it. Like there's no strings attached. Just so you know, I, I, I ain't making no myo program, but anyways, so myofunctional therapy is really, it's, if you just break down the word, myo means muscle functional. So the function of the muscles, right. And if you say the entire term, a lot of times you might hear it referred to as oral facial myofunctional therapy or oro myofunctional therapy. So oral facial, so the function of the muscles of the face. And quite honestly, we didn't get taught this in grad school. I was really taught, you know, ensoms and oral motor. You just totally poo-pooed on that. wasn't evidence-based. Um, but once I, I started realizing I was running into walls with a lot of kids, especially kids that you know, those kids that like, I, and I, I'm not an apraxia expert. Okay. I'm not like, if I think a child has apraxia, I refer them out because that is not my thing. Um, but I don't work in the schools. I have my own private practice. So I do have the luxury of being able to choose who I work with. Um, but this idea, a lot of my kids with like lisp and, you know, some kids that they, they were just like, they had lots of drool or, or I, it was a lot of my kids with list. Like they would just get hit this wall in therapy. And like, I would do all these things to try and help them, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening or like the, or an R, right. We all have those kids that have been in therapy for R they're in fifth grade and they're still working on R. And so I never really, I didn't think too, too much about it until actually I had one patient at the previous job I was working at and we had made progress, but we were definitely hitting, hitting a bit of a wall. And I had just recently heard about like a tongue tie. I, I didn't know much about it. Um, it's something that I specialize in now, but I really didn't know much about it at the time. But there was a place in town that that was something they specialized in. And I'd heard amazing place. I'd heard amazing things about it. It's actually, it was actually a physical therapist. And so I just told mom, I said, look, he seems like there's something going on, but I don't know what it is. 
you know, maybe go, go check this person out, see what you think. I mean, this child had been in therapy for years, years. And I mean, he's still like, he had the slushy ass. Like I tried all the things in the books and it just was not happening. And so this particular, this is actually a physical therapist. Um, she's actually the only physical therapist to be certified in myofunctional therapy. Typically myofunctional therapy is done by SLPs or registered dental hygienists. That's usually who the professionals that pursue it. Um, so just a little bit different that it was a PT, but he started working with her in addition to continuing speech with me and the amount of improvement that I saw in those six months, I was like, what are you doing to this kid? Like, what is happening? Like he suddenly, he still needed my help to cue him for a lot of sounds, but like he suddenly just got it. Like he suddenly just got it. And that's whenever she kind of introduced me to looking at all of the muscles of the face. There's eight muscles in your tongue. These are all things that like we learned a while back, but like nobody really remembers it. Like I never did thought about that stuff. Um, but you know, you have four muscles that change the shape of the tongue. And then you have four muscles that change where the tongue is in space. And so when you have these kids and you've tried all the speech sound stuff for like an S and it's still slushy, a lot of my kids that will come in for S if I kind of start to look at their oral structures and see what the muscles of their face are doing, they're really not able to kind of narrow the tongue because that is something that you need to do to make like a nice crisp sound. They're not able to narrow the tip of the tongue. There's actually uh, muscles on your, the lateral borders of your tongue that kind of help to narrow and to tense it. So that's just one little example. But the more that I learned about it and the more that like I was looking in this kid's mouth and I was realizing, wow, there's a lot of things that he can't do. Uh, it just got me super interested in it. And so that's really what myofuncturial therapy is about. It's about the muscles of the face. Are they allowing you to breathe through your nose? Are they allowing to you to have really good, they call it oral rest posture. So that's something really important. And is always a goal of myofunctional therapy. Um, the idea that when you're just sitting there, your mouth should be closed. We, should, we don't want mouth breathing. We There's plenty of health, uh, negative health benefits to mouth breathing. Your mouth should be closed. Your lips should be closed. You should be breathing through your nose and your tongue should actually be lightly suctioned to the top of your mouth. Mm. And so, yeah, I know. Oh, and I, I blew my mind. Um, but yes, having good oral rest posture, having nasal breathing. And another thing that myofunctional therapy looks at is the mechanics of the swallow and how are you swallowing correctly? A lot of you may be familiar with the term like a tongue thrust, um, that's probably something you've heard thrown around. If a child has a tongue thrust, that usually means there's something muscular going on. A lot of my kids, they'll, you know, they'll kind of swallow. Some people will refer to the term as like a reverse swallow, um, where they're not able to swallow correctly. And so their tongue is doing all these weird things and there's all these weird compensations. I've had kids where, you know, I, they came to me for S and I watched them eat and I watched them how they manipulated their food. And if the food was everywhere, they had, I had one kid who would tilt his head back to swallow his food. And I was like, what are you doing? That's interesting. (laughs) What are you doing? So I know that was a very long winded answer, but that's really what it's about is the idea of all the muscles of the face, the muscles of the tongue, the muscles of the lips, Are they doing what they need to be doing so that you have good oral rest posture so that you're swallowing correctly and you're able to manipulate not just food, but to manipulate your tongue and the shape of your tongue 
to be able to create those sounds. Those sounds like kids are constantly in therapy for for years, like S and Z and CH. Uh, and it's been really beneficial when I get kids for Arctic. First of all, I can either rule out if there's a muscle component so much better than I used to. And if there is a muscle component, we're not being banging our head against the wall for six months <laughs> <laughs> trying to elicit an S or a Z or a CH. Totally. Um, no, I liked all the examples. And so it sounds like it's almost like therapy that's addressing solely like the mu- muscle, like muscle control, muscle strength and movements. Yes. Is that, did I interpret that correctly? Yes. Yes. 100%. Okay. And um, so my one quick question. So this is, is this a therapy that a school-based SLP can do? Or is this more, more of like, it's a specialty that isn't um, acknowledged as, you know, like what is, where's the line there with school and private practice for myofacial? That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I think that line is still kind of being drawn. There's still a lot, uh, there's still a lot of debate within the field. Uh, you still see it on social media about oral motor and things like that. Um, for me, I I see what works in my therapy room and what gets me results in my therapy room. And myofunctional therapy has been super beneficial for that. And so far as school-based, I was a school-based SLP. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's probably, it, it would be tricky. Like it'd be tricky to do it in a group setting. You know, you need to have, you need to have your gloves on, you're in kids' mouths. A lot of times I'm having to use like props. Um, one example is I might stack popsicle sticks one on top of the other and have them bite on it to stabilize the jaw while I'm trying to get them to move their tongue in a certain way. Uh, So I'm not going to lie. I think it would be tricky in a school setting. There are people that are doing it though. I think a lot of it depends on the support of your administration and things like that. And also just where your comfort level is. What you really see very commonly is people doing it in private practice because there, there's also a debate in the school on working on like feeding in school, right? Or oral motor in school, right? And so, you know, I have to explain to parents, like sometimes, you know, they, like I said earlier, they, they come to me with a list and it is, you know, they do have a list, but if we can correct the way that their tongue is moving and correct the swallow, sometimes that, 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 that gives them access to the tongue movements that they need to be able to fix the S. So maybe we work on that swallowing piece for a little while. And then once we get the tongue doing what it needs to do, then I'll do more, more like traditional speech sound stuff. So yeah. definitely not impossible in the schools, but it's, it is a, it, it's not just like an easy, like, Oh, let's start doing this in the school system. A lot of SLPs that find this specialty end up pursuing some kind of private practice. Right. And it sounds like you have to get additional training so that you feel confident doing it. But I mean, I remember I had a, a young lady, she was in, I think, fifth or sixth grade. And she'd been in speech, you know, she had phonological processes. And then she has like all she had all this stuff in her mouth from the dentist, you know, she had braces. And then another time she had and then I think she got spacers because we could not get the R. And she had a few other sound errors with the CH and the SH. But then once her mouth palate and stuff started to adjust because of the dentist um, dealing, one day she came in and we're like, you're making the R, you know, I mean, she, I'd been giving her all this feedback and we've been practicing and we were kind of making slow progress. But then after that, it was like, Oh, 
So that would be my only probably experience with seeing like, oh, when some adjustments were made with the palate and stuff from the dentist, progress got way better. So I'm sure it's a little bit different with your therapy because, but I'm, but if a dentist can do this type of therapy, then I'm, you know, I don't know how they get, how is it, how do they get certified versus an SLP? Like you just have to go to some class, some classes and everything. So there's, and I'm, I'm going to direct everyone to, I did do a podcast episode and YouTube video. I did like a full length one on all about myofunctional therapy. So I'm going to, I'm going to send that to you so that you guys can click on it. I go into more detail about the different associations with myofunctional therapy. Um, but wait, what was the question? I forget. (laughs) Oh, I was just saying, it's so interesting how, dentists could do this and SLPs. And so I guess like the next question is really like, how would an SLP who is is listening to this and going, wow, this sounds really interesting. This is something I think I would like to maybe um, learn about so that I could offer this as a service or, um, you know, do on the side when I'm not working, Um, you know, like how do you get started with it or how do you build your expertise in this area? Yes, that's a great question. So there's a few, there are multiple resources out there for myofunctional therapy. Uh, The sort of like main association is called the IAOM, the International Association of Oral Facial Malfunctional Disorders. Um, They're sort of like the main people and they give out the COM, which is a certification. Uh, And again, if you want more, like way more nitty gritty details about this, that YouTube video that she'll she'll send you for the show notes will have even more information than this. Um, They're sort of like the gold standard, but there are other associations and other people providing classes, if that makes sense. So Hallie Balkan is a really great resource. Um, She does like, she has like her main myofunctional therapy course. And then she also has like a monthly membership that I find that I'm part of that I found to be very valuable. Um, The AOMT is another association similar to the IAOM that provides, that does myofunctional therapy courses. There's, I think there's a group called, I haven't taken their course, but there's a group called Simon Says. That's um, another company that does training for myofunctional therapy because there's no like it's really weird there's no big governing body over it uh yeah it's really strange there's no huge governing body (laughs) uh so i think that's where a lot of the confusion comes but for anyone interested in it i 100 recommend taking so there's like your big intro courses those are an investment i mean those are probably going to be anywhere from 1500 to 2500 dollars. like that's an investment So if this is something you're interested in doing, I always recommend taking something smaller first. Speech Therapy PD has some really good courses and their membership, it's only like a hundred bucks a year or something like that. And you can take unlimited courses from them. They have a few really good, like just getting your feet wet. I'm not ready to make this big financial commitment, or maybe you never want to make the financial commitment, but you just want to know how to spot these kids so that you can refer them to someone who does specialize in that. I think that's also very valuable. Not everybody needs to do myofunctional therapy, but I do think it's really important for SLPs to know how to at least differentiate and be able to refer those kids out so they're not sitting working on S for six years. (laughs) Um, No, that's a good um, point. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Like that you might just want to know enough, especially if a parent's not happy with progress, you can refer them to a private practice clinician. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm in a Facebook group for local, for my local area. You know, I can, I'll go in there if I have a need like that. So mm-hmm. you def, that's a, definitely a okay. good point. Like why you might want to know a little bit more about it, even if you don't want to practice it. Mm-hmm. So yes, very good tip. Um, I forget what else we were talking about with that question. <laughs> oh, wait. oh, there was, oh, so you can also go to a Facebook group. I highly recommend joining is the oral. It's the oral myofunctional group. I'm pretty sure is the name of it. Um, that's headed up by Linda D'Onofrio. She's, she's very, she's a very brilliant speech therapist as well. She knows so many things. Um, and then yeah, speech therapy, they, I took some of their, like, it's not a full Mayo course, but like some of their, like, I just want to get my feet wet in Mayo and understand it more. I really enjoyed their courses. I found them to be really beneficial and it's a super affordable option to get you started and definitely go follow Hallie Balkin, Autumn Reed Henning. She's a Chrysalis oral, Chrysalis orofacial one. She's another great one. She is like the tongue tie guru and the tongue tie queen. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's, I know I'm missing a few accounts, but I'll have to send them to is you. It, is it all listed in that YouTube video that you did in the podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll just put that in the show notes, everyone. And then you guys go check out for more details if you're super interested in all that, all the extra classes. So awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm curious before we like wrap things up, like how has this, you know, changed your private practice? Um, you know, how is it, how has that changed for you or like what have you found to be beneficial from doing some additional training in this area? I have been such a better therapist and really learning to look at the whole child. Um, I think a lot of times I'm making Mayo is very team based. So I can, I'm almost never just working with a kid by myself. There's always usually a dentist, an orthodontist, uh, a body worker involved. Uh, and I found it's just, it's really, I feel like I'm able to provide such a better service to kids. Um, and to, I'm, I, there are, there's also adults that I've worked with. It just, they call it your Mayo eyes. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Because a lot of what Mayo looks at, like, it's not just about the speech sound. Like, may, that may be part of what they came me for. But they also really look at, you know, I look at a kid and say, are they, does it seem like they're having good cranial facial development so that they have a nice, you know, so that they can have a nice open airway. So they don't, they don't, you know, have sleep apnea when they're older. Um, not, I don't treat sleep apnea, but you know what I'm saying? But just really looking at the child, you know, I'm not just seeing them. I'm not just seeing a speech issue. I'm also looking at some of my kids, some of my kids that I see for Maya are coming to me. There's, uh, there's some, some feeding difficulties going on and turns out they, they have some sensory things going on, but there's also some myofunctional things going on. And one thing I always like to say is I'm not doing myo instead of feeding therapy and speech therapy. Like I'm not doing that instead of I'm doing it with my, my feeding and my speech therapy. It's just another amazing tool in my toolbox. Um, and again, it just, I, I can just help my kids so much faster. I see progress 
so much quicker because you're not fighting against a child's anatomy. (laughs) Right. Totally. And so did you end up like getting more interested in this area? And then did you, did you end up jumping the gun and taking one of those big, more comprehensive, expensive courses? I did. I did end up taking one. Uh, I just, it just lit a fire under me, honestly. And I had kind of thought about going out on my own in private practice. And then, then when I, when I found Mayo, I was like, wow, like this is something I want to specialize in. Like I want to do, this is something I want to do like all day. Like, I think this is the best thing ever. Um, so I did end up investing in one of those courses and I, I saved up for it. It took me a little while to save up for it. But one thing I'll say is I, I did do a lot of research beforehand. Um, it got to the point where like, I was excited to pay that money to take that course because I had, you know, and I, I highly encourage you to go watch that YouTube video. It has so many more resources in there. Um, but consuming a lot of free content or a lot of lower cost resources um, to really make sure that this was something I wanted to do. Because, I mean, you know, I'm not just going to go spend two grand on something I'm kind of into. Right. And you right. shouldn't either. Right? Um, but that's something I encourage is just really researching and taking some taking some like more and more in like, more like not, I don't, I don't want to say intro level courses because yeah, like staying in your budget kind yeah, of staying in. The, yeah. They call it the intro course, but that's like the, the full, like the full week long course. Um, but yes, things that are within your budget uh, and just sort of knowing and, and kind of helping you learn what are your goals with this? Uh, because I, just because you don't want to go start in a private practice and do Mayo full time, it's still going to be so beneficial for your patients for you to have like sort of that basic understanding of it to know when to refer out or to understand how, you know, a child's sleep and big, big tonsils can really impact, impact where their tongue is sitting in their mouth and, you know, how big their palatal arch is and what that does and what that does to their craniofacial structure and things like that. No, it makes sense. Um, and I, something that I try to do is I try to backward chain, like how many clients would I need to see in order to pay for this course or how many, you know, like when you're in the schools and you have to take those continuing ed units to get over on the pay scale, it's like, it's like reminding yourself like, okay, if I spend this much money, I'm going to make five grand and I only paid this much money and I'm going to keep growing. So you got to look at it as kind of like that investment. And, you know, if you're in the schools right now and you're interested in it, this would probably be a perfect time to go check out Danny's YouTube video and get more information about it so that when the summer comes and you're, you know, and you're kind of like, I think I might want to do this. You can do the course over the summer and then maybe even start taking some clients. But I mean, I think we were talking about that too, before we press recording that you said that this helped you also to stand out as a clinician when you're in a saturated area too, by having that specific niche, do you find that you're getting way more referrals without having to promote it all the time? Yes, definitely. That was a way when I first thought I wanted to go into private practice and like, you know, leave my W2 job with a consistent paycheck. Cause your girl likes consistent money. Like, let's be honest. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Um, that was something, you know, that was a, a barrier for me was like, there's a lot of other practices here. 
um, what can I do to sort of decrease my risk of going out on my own? Because there's always a risk to go out on your own. For me personally, um, one thing I like that Jenna says from independent clinician is you can always start on the side, which I think is, I think for school SLPs, that's a great idea to kind of start on the side. For me in particular, I was working for someone else's private practice as an employee and it, it just really wouldn't have worked. There's like, you know, like ethics and things like that. So we just did it. So, uh, it just made more sense for me to go out on my own, like full time. Uh, I, I, my last day at my full-time job was March 13th, 2020, by the way. Oh. Uh, so that was great. Uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. We, we made it. We're doing good. Um, but it definitely, I feel like it helped me to decrease that risk uh, for going out on my own. And I really like what you said about looking at, looking at continuing it and things like that as investing in yourself. And if taking on private clients is something that you want to do, which I think is a great way to increase your income and make some extra cash to meet some financial goals that you have. Um, any money that you are spending on CEUs and things like that, first of all, it's an investment because you're going to get a return on that investment by getting private clients. But you can also, I mean, it's actually like tax deductible, which is really cool about having, if you kind of have your own side hustle or have your own business, um, you can actually get a tax deduction for all of those expenses that you have, which is just Huge. fabulous. Math is great on that part. So you're saying like once you start your own private practice, you're, you were able to write off those continuing education classes or do you have, can you still do it if you don't have a business? So if you feel like you have to have a business. Yes. So you either need to have your, so in order to write off like a CEU course, you either need to have your own business or if you are an independent contractor, like a 1099, you can definitely, I'm not an accountant. Talk to your accountant. I'm not a tax professional, but you can usually write those off if you're a 1099 as well, which is really cool. Um, so that, that kind of also, anytime I do something as a tax deduction, I kind of think of it like I'm getting it for 20 or 30% off <laughs> when I like buy, you know, when I'm doing something, buying something for the business. Um, but that's just kind of one of those little, one of those little fun facts. Uh, if you, if private practice is something you want to do, even if it's just on the side. Well, yeah. And you would open up your own little business and um, it's not as hard as it feels. And so it, that's a great option. So I think this is like super cool. I hadn't really not heard that much about it, but um, some SLPs on my social media, when I asked them what they wanted to hear about, they said myofunctional therapy. So this was super um, informative and I loved all the practical information. And I hope that this encourages SLPs who have been wanting to kind of find something else you know, on the side to maybe check out myofunctional therapy and you can follow Danny on social media at speech goods. Um, and she has a podcast speech goods, right? Just speech goods. Yes, ma'am. And the, she has a YouTube channel where you want to go check out that, that video and you can watch it on your lunch break. Um, or you could, I think yeah, you said you had a podcast episode too, right? Yes. So, Everything on the YouTube channel is also available in like podcast form, all the interviews and things like that. So it really just kind of depends on if you feel in visual or not, you know? Okay. Yeah. YouTube, you said, has more visuals. The podcast is more audio. Um, or if you want to be like right there when she's talking about resources, you can click on it. I would do the YouTube version. Um, 
But if you have no time in your day because you're a mom, then I would use the the uh, the podcast video while you are walking the kids or driving the driving to work. You know, you could tell I'm a mom because I'm like, how can I get in some of my own listening pleasure and not you know, baby shark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've moved past Baby Shark. I feel like, oh, we're listening to like Encanto and Moana. I love, I have no children and I love, I love Encanto. It's yeah, beautiful. it's it's better to listen to those soundtracks than Baby Shark. But when I was yeah. doing teletherapy in 2020 um, and my young little baby liked Baby Shark, it was like, huh. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Because I had a lot of clients that like Baby Shark too. So it was it was a rough going. But before we wrap things up, um, you know, Danny, is there anything else you want to mention? Or, you know, if you want to share a little bit more about what you talk about on your podcast or on Instagram, this is your chance. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to come and blab about Mayo. First of all, uh, it's something I'm super, super interested in and passionate about. Um, but I would just love for you guys to come drop me a DM on Instagram. I love talking to SLPs. Uh, although I don't talk, this is actually probably the first interview I've done where I'm actually talking about therapy. Uh, <laughs> I love talking about just money and finance and I love this idea of just creating this generation of financially independent, wealthy speech and language pathologists. Uh, I think there sometimes can be a lot of negativity and there's a lot of, you know, cruddy things happening out in the world. And there are some real barriers that people are facing in the field. Um, but I really just hope to bring a message of hope. I did myself, I was $52,000 in student loan debt and paid it off in two years by working my booty off. And uh, I just love this idea of empowering SLPs to just go do life and build wealth and be freaking fabulous. So I love it. Yes. Yes. I would say speech goods has a little bit of everything, especially like the financial piece. I can tell that's your passion because you think just the way you talk about it, which is super like I like watching your content for that. Um, But it all ties into starting your own private practice because if you don't have your finances, in order or even a plan or know that you can, you know, get out of that student loan debt or how you're going to do that. Um, It is a roadblock for you pursuing something that's a little bit scary. So I would recommend following Danny um, just to get more resources about financial, you know, financial freedom, about speech therapy stuff. um, And, and it will help encourage you to take action. So, SLPs, thanks for listening in. Um, It's been another great episode. Don't forget to stay inspired and be the SLP that every kid wants to see. I will talk with you all next week. All right. Bye. Uh